right. Welcome back to another episode of the See You Next Tuesday podcast. Hi, I'm Amanda. And I am Jessica. And if you haven't listened to us before, um, we discuss probably murders no one else discusses. Yeah. Because we venture into the realm of children. Yes, mothers, fathers, family members that do, unfortunately, terrible things to everybody. And um, if you can't figure it out, um, see you next Tuesday. Well, it's short for cut. (laughs) So we cuss a lot, and we have a lot of opinions about things, so this might not be the podcast for you. We also kind of, we don't make fun of the crime, but we try to keep it light because, well... It's a terrible crime, and it's our coping mechanism and how we handle what we're talking about. And ultimately, the people that commit these crimes are the ultimate cunts of the world, hence the name of our podcast. Exactly. So join us, won't you? What is this, our fourth episode now? Yeah, we're on big number four. I can't believe it. (laughs) It's awesome. I love it. It is awesome, and I can't believe we're on number four. This is true. Um, I think you're going first today, right? With I, I am going first today, and I have one that I hope I can get through this, because this is a rough one. Okay. So is this one of those... we got to find a way to say, like, besides trigger warning, I know, um, and I'm going to shout out one of the podcasts I love listening to, Last Podcast on the Left. It's three guys that just joke about the most random stuff, including crime, but they call them Gold Star. In other words, some rough shit is about to happen. So we got to think of a name for something like that. Like, this is going to be rough. Shitholes. We're about to hit some shitholes. <laughs> shitholes it is. We're about to hit some shitholes. Okay, when... so I've, I've never heard of this person before. So take oh. me down this journey. Okay, we're going to talk about a Wilda Lopez. Yes. Okay, um... I'm pretty sure it's a Wilda Lopez. Uh, Forgive us if if not. And please let us know. (laughs) Help us out. Um, She was one of 13 children. Um, She was Puerto Rican born, but she grew up in the inner city of New York. Um, In elementary school, she was actually looked like she was going to be one of the 13 children that was going to break out of the poverty and the welfare that she was being raised in. Okay, so, and this is New York when? What year? Um, well, she was born, so, I'm going to say 60s. Okay. I, I'm so sorry I did not grab her birth year, just because I was focused on the terrible stuff that she did. Yeah, no, you're, you're good. So, but, I mean, okay, so we're talking about, like, let's, like, context, the, the 60s New York. Mm-hmm. Which was better than the 70s New York and the 80s New York? Because from what I remember, things... Well, what I've seen. I mean, inner city New York is inner city New York. Okay, it, it. it was just not a good place to I be understand. raised. And But her mom had hopes that she was going to be the one to get, get away. Okay. You know, she was of a good, the 13 of them. She was a good student. She got, you know, little awards at school and things like that. Got it. Um, but then she entered intermediate school. Which I had to Google what intermediate school was. Yeah. Because we don't have that here. Yeah, no, wait. So is that, 
It's it? basically middle school. Okay. And according to the Googles, it's grade six through eight. So here, okay. that's that's middle school. That's middle school. Yeah. That's okay. middle school. Got it. So that's when she began dating, which I mean, I had little boyfriends in middle school, but. Again. For her, I think she took it to the next level, and she set her sights on Ruben Rivera. Okay. And she decided that Ruben Rivera was going to be her baby daddy. Oh, okay, wait. In, like, high school? No, no, no. In middle school? Uh-huh. Okay. And eventually, that is what happened. Okay, wait. So, I mean, I, like, I get it. I get it, because we, like, I mean... We all did something stupid like that okay. when we were kids. When I was in middle school, right? one of the new kids on the block was going to be my baby daddy. Of and course. I'm pretty sure it was the one that ended up being gay. <laughs> so now he would just be my best friend. <laughs> That's valid. Yeah. Because you know how much I love having the gay best friends. Yes. So, but no, she was like, real person. Okay. He is going to be the one. All right. And she willed it. She put it on her vision board. (laughs) She made it happen. Okay. So, in high school, um, I'm going to say probably ninth grade year, she dropped out and became pregnant at 16 and moved in with Ruben. All right. So, this essentially is what locked Awalda. Awilda. Awilda. We'll get there. Wilda into the cycle of poverty she grew up in. Okay, so unfortunately, high mom had high hopes, but she she became boy crazy as we she, all do as preteens. But normally, it's not like. And then I want to get pregnant, and then and then unfortunately, in her situation because of where she's living, it locks you into that cycle of poverty that unfortunately actually still exists to this day in yes, many yes. parts of our country. So, yes, and that's a whole other thing. That's another issue that we yeah. we can't get into. Yeah, it can take days. <laughs> we might get into towards the end. We'll yeah. see. Um, so she and Ruben lived on Knickerbocker Avenue in Brunswick, Brooklyn. Okay. So I did a little bit of Google research because they were very specific about this. So I thought this has to mean something, right? Yeah. So, in the 80s, Knickerbocker Avenue, um, so I lied about the year. So, 16, oh. we're in the 80s, so she was probably born in early 70s. In the 70s, so New York yeah. was, was yeah. a hot mess. Yeah. It was hot trash. So, okay. now we're, you know, she's 16, Got she's it. had a baby, we're in the 80s. Um, Knickerbocker Avenue was a haven for crack. Oh, shit. And, um, at this point, a Wilda. Yes. Nailed it. Uh, yeah. Nailed it. Woo, woo. Yeah. <laughs> she has now given birth to two kids. Oh, wait. So it's two total? Yes. Oh, not two more. Okay, sorry. Two total. She had the first one. Now she's had a second baby with mm-hmm. Ruben. Okay. And um, she's given into the temptation of crack because it is everywhere. Oh, that freaking sucks. And she starts using her welfare check to free- feed her crack habits. Um. And this would cause her to disappear for days at a time. Well, yeah. And she would leave her kids with anyone that would take them. And eventually, she would start leaving them alone. Oh, God. So, just bad situation. So, grew up poor, unfortunately, because of situation and everything else. 
into that cycle herself and now she's addicted to crack so now it's even worse because now she's leaving her kids mm-hmm. at, at home you know first she was finding babysitters family whoever right. whatever and then eventually she's like fuck it f it yeah we're at this point we're just gonna leave him alone god okay um so eventually a wilda yes a wilda and ruin they broke up okay and she ran out of money for rent so she had to start living in homeless shelters. Oh God! With her two kids. Okay. And at one of these homeless shelters is where she met Gustavo Isquidero. Nice. High five that. F and A. Yeah. <laughs> All them years in middle and high school Spanish. <laughs> Gustavo Isquidero. <laughs> Can't say fucking Ewalda. <laughs> And those two began having a sexual relationship. Oh, snap. And guess what happened? She got pregnant. Of course she did. Naturally. Because, hey, why not? Let's throw another kid in this mix. This is going to solve things. Well, yeah. 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 And um, this is where she became pregnant with Elisa. And Elisa is the main focus of our story, but we're going to get back to her later. Okay. Um, so, you know, our friend, Awolda, <laughs> she went on a crack binge. Honey. <sighs> and so the friends that she left her other two children with, they contacted Ruben, her first baby daddy. And Ruben, he then contacted um, her sisters Okay. And the, her sister. And those two contacted the police. Yeah. Who told them, you should notify child welfare officials. So in January 1989, Ruben and his mother took custody of their son, while Ewalda's sister took custody of their daughter. Okay. Then in February 1989, Ewalda gave birth to Elisa, who was Ewalda and Gustavo's daughter okay elisa was born a crack baby oh my god so poor little girls already set up just so yes we're not off to a good start okay so we're gonna enter shithole territory i'm having feelings Mm -hmm. and moments Mm -hmm. already i'm uncomfortably shifting shit hot hole one um is she was born a crack baby okay but because she was a crack baby um, child welfare intervened and gave custody of Elisa to her father, Gustavo. Okay. Um, so far, so good. And she was told that if she turned her life around, she got off drugs and took parenting classes, she would be able to regain custody of her kids. Sure. That makes sense. Makes total sense. I have no issues with that. No. That's how it should be done. So over the next 11 months, it seemed that Iwalda was getting her shit together. Okay. During that time, she married Carlos Lopez, um, and marrying Carlos gave everyone the impression that she was getting her shit together and had stability in her life. Okay. And guess what it did? It, 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 it only gave her stability in her life, and everything turned out great? Do you know what podcast you're on? <laughs> I forgot. This isn't the 10% happier podcast. I dropped another one. This is not the Sunshine and Roses podcast. <laughs> 
Um, I think they are um, recording across the street. Now. Yeah, right. Far away from this. Oh, God. Yeah, they wouldn't touch this with a 10-foot pole. Okay. Um, no, but it fooled social services. Okay. They believed this shit. And they gave her her two older children back in December of 1990. Okay. But Elisa got to remain with her father. And she visited on the weekends. Okay. Um, and around this time, Iwaldic, she gave birth to another baby girl. This was her first child with Carlos. Okay, so this is baby number four. Yes. With the three different guys. Yes. Got it. Mm-hmm. I mean, keep up the, with this baby math because it's hard. So, um, the reality was her life was not stable. It was so far from it. Um, it's been alleged that Carlos was tormenting Awalda, and the neighbors could hear dishes and pots and pans and household things being thrown against the walls. Um, but Carlos presented a totally different persona in public. Okay. You know, he was the good guy. He was upstanding. He would never hurt her or any child. Okay. Is it like the, I work hard, I take care of my family, mm-hmm. he's putting down that vibe? He was Great. quiet and subdued in public. Oh, yeah. But yeah. private, he's a total asshole. Yes. Got it. He is a fog face and a half in private. Love that. So, um, while she was being abused, or allegedly abused by Carlos at this point, because at this point it's just a legend, we don't know, um... And she was trying to keep him happy, so she gave birth to baby number five. Oh, my God. Baby number two with Carlos. Can I just say one thing real quick here? And this is obviously a family podcast, so I'm going to say this. I, and this is a, hey, personal thing, I don't want children. I I am not going to have children. And that's a choice that everyone's allowed to make. You have three beautiful children. three. Awesome. And tell me if I'm wrong here. Throwing a baby at a situation... Does it solve the problem? No, ma'am. Okay. I just want to, like, make sure that was, no, like, ma'am. on the table here for everybody because... No, ma'am. It does not fix things. Got it. Okay, so don't have babies if you, like, are having, like, emotional domestic abuse situations happening, thinking, this will surely solve everything. No, ma'am. I mean, I'm not a licensed psychologist, but, um... <laughs> we are now. Yeah, I, I've done a lot of research. Um, <laughs> no, actually, one of my degrees is concentration in college was child development and family services so okay human development you actually kind of are then so i mean not legit but but still you know i got a college degree a long time ago hey i haven't done anything with that (laughs) college degree who is doing anything with their degrees anymore i mean raise your hand if y'all literally knew what my day job was y'all would laugh we're not going to go there. Yeah. I want to keep my day job. <laughs> they would fire me. Um, <laughs> okay, so baby number five. She's having another baby. And from what you're sounding like, it's like kind of like, okay, he maybe an abusive relationship, but I'm going to try to like, maybe he'll get softened. His heart yeah, will soften. Yeah, he maybe you'll see this baby face because baby faces are cute. Right. And then all of a sudden he'll be like, oh, I want to be a good guy. Yeah. No. Oh, great. It did not work. And in January 92, the baby was born December 91, January 92, he um, convinced himself that Awolda was seeing other men, and do you want to know what he did? Mm. 
Take a guess. Did he try to kill her? Oh my god, did you read my paper? I actually didn't, okay. <laughs> no, I just, uh, unfortunately, have watched way too much true crime, and I, I do like, um, you know, Snapped. God, Killer Couples is real good. Yeah, the, there's one, like, about a, the neighbor next door. So oh, yeah. Next door or yeah, whatever. That yeah, really good. good. Okay, anyway. Okay. Woo. <laughs> oh. And we're back. Oh, that was scary. <laughs> Sorry, power outage here. Welcome um, to Texas. Storm Keep time. Um, so he stabbed her 17 times while she was feeding her fifth baby. Oh, my God. Wait, wait. So she was breastfeeding and he's stabbing her? I don't know if it was breastfeeding or bottle feeding, but either way, she was feeding the baby. That's crazy. Holy he shit, He stabbed man. her 17 times. Oh, my God. So after this attack, this is when... Um, she decided she was going to leave Carlos. Yeah. But I you mean, know what she did? Did she not leave Carlos? She let him back into her life after he spent a little bit of time in jail. Jeez. Okay, so she's... How did she survive? I mean... I don't know. Maybe he wasn't a deep stabber. I, I Did he... <sighs> shit. Did he... Was the baby okay? Like, Yeah, he only stabbed her. Oh, God. Okay. So, when he gets out of jail, do you know what he did? He comes back and tries to totally make amends and be a better man. Because jail is all about rehabilitation. Our country has nothing to do with that. Hi, guys. Stuff. My name's Amanda. Welcome to the Sunshine and Roses podcast. <laughs> you can find us on Instagram at... <gasps> no, no. Okay, he fine. did stop abusing Awalda. Okay, that's a start. But he started abusing... His stepchildren. Oh, great. Namely, uh-huh. Elisa when she was visiting. Okay. Um, but no one would, said anything because they were afraid it would make the situation worse. <laughs> and then also... Um, Wait, I'm sorry. I just I just processed what you just said. <laughs> so, so people knew that were taking care of the kids, that he was doing this to the kids, and then they didn't say anything because they didn't want to upset the situation? Right, because that's what happens when you're abused. But they're not abused. So I'm like, why not say something, say something? Okay, so... Um, I mean, I understand... So her oldest son by her first baby daddy, Ruben, yeah. he actually did tell relatives that Carlos was abusing okay. Ewalda and Elisa okay, okay. when she was visiting. But nobody said anything because they were afraid that it would make the situation worse. Okay. And when they visited the home, get this. You're going to love this. Ready? Your head's about to explode. Do you want to borrow my hat? <laughs> Not this time. To hold your head in. <laughs> um, I'm wearing a hat, by the way. She needs to hold her head in because this is going to I'm actually going to physically hold my head right now. Go. You should. <laughs> and when they visited the home, it was clean Orderly, and the children were well-behaved and quiet. Because they got the shit beat out of them. And I'm, I guarantee he probably was like, y'all motherfuckers need to make sure this house looks perfect whenever these assholes come over. So I wrote here, I said, well, I would if I was going to get my ass beat. Yeah, no shit, exactly. Like, if you're under that kind of duress, of course you're going to be like, I'll do whatever I need to do to make sure this situation goes away. <sighs> Freaking A. So right. let me let me calm you down a little bit. Let me tell you about Elise's life that she had with her father. Because 
This is great. You're going to love it. Gustavo was an amazing father. Are you being really sarcastic right now? No, I'm Like, I'm backing up for you because I'm, like, waiting. No, I mean, I'm fucking serious. I think the wine is making me sarcastic. <laughs> wine is my pot juice. Pot juice. <laughs> no, honestly. Okay. Gustavo was loving. He was dedicated. Oh, I knew it. People, um... Goose <laughs> A Newsweek article... I quote said he dressed her like a doll. Um, it said he learned to do her hair perfectly. Stop it. Oh my God. Dad of the year. I love that. Yes. The, the article I read said he like could part her hair perfectly down the middle. I can never do that with my daughter's hair. Dude, it's hard. She was a... Was she wiggly? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> she had two brothers. She's a tomboy, so she wouldn't sit still. No, and she didn't want her hair done. She looked like a ragamuffin for like the first <laughs> 14 years of her life. <laughs> I love you, Jay, if you're listening to this. Um, <laughs> so, and he enrolled her in the Brooklyn YWCA Montessori Day School. Love it. Oh, the um, thing. Snaps to Gustavo. Yes, we love Gustavo. I wish I could continue on with good things till the end. Um, Elisa became a favorite of all the staff at the Montessori school. Um, so when Gustavo fell behind on his tuition payments, the staff recommended Elise as a benefactor for Prince Michael of Greece. So when I was reading this, I thought this seems a little sketch, right? Yeah. Like, Who is Prince Michael of Greece? Who is this? I don't know. I, there's, and mm-hmm. and this, the article I was reading, like, I'm like, I need more information on Prince Michael of Greece. Yeah, for real. Let me give you more okay. information. I mean, I'm in. I'm excited. So, um, Prince Michael, um, he actually would never take the throne of in Greece, because Greece abolished the monarchy in 1974. Okay. But he represented the royal family in allocating funds for charity. Kind of like um, the royal family in England, right? Okay. We all know that there is no throne. There is no monarchy. They don't actually run England. Right. They just... Prince, prince Harry, Prince William. Well, you know, one of them's not a prince anymore. Uh, Harry. Harry. Yeah, because he married that bitch, Megan. Oops. Okay. That is a personal opinion of, of Amanda <laughs> about Megan. However, does not look like the of everybody on the podcast. <laughs> I'm just saying, I don't not like her. I don't. I just think she's just like she's an American. I mean, they're like Harry just, would still talk to his brother William if it wasn't for that heifer. I think they still talk. hashtag facts. <laughs> no, they had to be separated at the funeral. What? How did I miss that? Girl, you need to keep up with your celebrity gossip. Oh my god. You need to follow more gossip sites on the Insta. I do. You're right. Okay. I'll fill you in when we're done. Yeah, okay. We gotta get back <laughs> yeah, to Yeah, that's this. your right. You're sorry. Okay. Monica. <laughs> no, not Monica. Greece. 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 Totally Greece. different. So, um... He was the... Only son of Prince Christopher of Greece and Princess Francois of Orleans. And then, you like that? That was amazing. Hi, five. Also, five. like, so, okay, go ahead. I've all of a sudden become a linguist. <laughs> 
<laughs> We're getting the romances languages all the more one I, episode. The more I drink the wine, <laughs> the more and more romance languages you know how to speak. Well, it is wine, and France, you know, has wine, so... It's the Pinot Gris. <laughs> Here's the answer. Princess Francois of Orleans. Nice. In 1965, um, he married a Greek artist, Marina Caru... Oh, shit. And this is where it is. And crash your And <laughs> Korea at the... Okay. And at the time, Michael was the third in line for the throne. Okay. But this was seen as an unequal marriage. So in order to receive consent from King Constantine II, Michael had to relinquish his rights to the throne in order to marry Marina. Okay. Which he did. Okay. So when the monarchy was overthrown in 1967, which is why he'll never take the throne, uh, Michael and Marina were the only members of the royal family allowed to continue to reside in Greece. And then in 1972, they moved to Paris, and they lived in Paris for eight years, and then they moved to New York in 1980. Here's our connection. Coming back around. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So they lived in New York for 13 years. And this is Prince Michael's connection to New York. Got it. Makes sense now. Yes. So, um, an aide with the school established a connection with Prince Michael and the school. Got it. And so, that's why the school was able to give funds to students who needed them. Nice. And since everybody loved Elisa... And Daddy and Gustavo could not afford tuition. There it is. They introduced Prince Michael to Elisa. And on the day Prince Michael arrived and he went to meet Elisa, she ran and jumped in his arms and stayed by his side the entire day. Cute. How adorbs is that? That is so sweet. So from that day forward, Prince Michael fell in love with her. And when he would send her gifts and things, she would send him cards back, and he just loved her. That's so awesome. Um, He said she was a lively and sweet girl, and he loved her so much, he offered to pay her full tuition through the 12th grade at the Brooklyn Friends School. Oh, my gosh. Yes. That's not cheap. New York is not cheap. No, no, no. Schools are not not cheap. No, it's not. So crap balls. So, yes, this was such a great thing for her. Yes. Phenomenal. Are we about to end the Sunshine and Roses podcast? Because like I'm I'm like fine with this just stopping right now. Like and and we'll see, see. you next Tuesday. <laughs> okay. Is this like we do we need to take I'm taking a sip. Yes. Okay. So um Awalda, you know, we discussed um Carlos Yeah and how he Dumpster Fire. Yeah. So, 19, November 1991 is when Awalda, she won the right to see Elisa every other weekend. Okay. And this is when um, both Gustavo and Elisa's teachers began noticing that she would come home from Awalda's house with bruises and upset, and they all notified the authorities that this was happening. Good. Absolutely. And one family friend even noted that Elisa would throw up and refuse to go to the bathroom after she went to see her mother. Okay. Elisa even told a social worker herself she was being abused. 
and okay Oh, no. So, yeah, so, like, everything is, like, okay, everyone's being notified this is happening. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. things should happen where she's being you, removed from the situation, right? You would right? think, right? Yes. That's what should there. happen. That's what should happen. You well, want my hat now? My life. You need to take some wine. I Drink do. some wine. Okay. Do you have tequila in the house? Because <laughs> I think it's, okay. it's almost tequila it's time. Shit pothole. Um, shit pothole warning. This was allowed to continue on for a year before a provision was added that Ewalda could not slap or spank Elisa. Oh, oh, you think? Oh, okay, uh, not, we're not taking her away from this crazy person? We're just going, hey, by the way, don't do that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. And conti- Okay, continue. I... I'm going to start getting mad. It's okay. I'm not mad at you. Not the, the structures and systems put in place here that yes. are often disproportionate to people. Please don't be mad at me. Okay, continue. Elisa would wake up screaming at night, and even though she was potty trained, she would wet and mess her bed. Yeah, it's called acting out because she's being abused. That's also, what happens. Also, there were signs of sexual abuse. Um, motherfucker. So, see, that's when I was, like, when you said pee bed, that unfortunately is, like, one of the things. How old is she? I'm sorry to ask this. How old is Elisa at this point? Um, She's, what, six, seven-ish, I think, at this point. Fuck. Okay. I'll let you get through this section, because, yeah. So, just to let everybody know, you and all of our listeners involved, I am intentionally not going into the details of her abuse. I read about it. I, can in, I cannot go into the details. I cannot repeat it. I don't want to repeat it. You do not want to hear it. I am not going to do it. If you want to know the details, we will post all of my sources in the show notes because my sources do list them. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Um, In 1992, Gustavo petitioned the court to deny Ewalda's custodial rights. But unfortunately, the universe had other plans. Before the courts could act, Gustavo was diagnosed with cancer. Fuck. Okay, come on, man. Like, the one good person... Well, he introduced her also to the prince, but still, the one, like, family member good person in her life. Okay. Towards the end of 1999, Gustavo began making plans to take Elisa to Cuba. Absolutely. Gustavo was from Cuba. He had family in Cuba. He was going to take her to Cuba. He was going to yes. remove her from the entire situation. I love this. Yes. Do it. Um, and he was going to take her to live there permanently. Um, but there's a big butt hanging there. Beep, 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 beep. I lost my place. <laughs> You're fine. Oh. So... Gustavo became too ill to travel. Okay. And even though he was too ill to travel, he was still going to send Elisa to Cuba to live with his family. Then, on May 26, 1994, the day Elisa was scheduled to leave for Cuba, Gustavo passed away. Oh, God. So Elisa was not able to leave because she was in the hospital. Guess what happened? She went back with her stupid mom, bitch. A Waldis swooped in to claim custody of Elisa. Of course she did. And I wrote, literally, in my notes, 
Why? You don't want her. It's obvious you don't. Yeah, no, because if you're beating her that badly and what, other abuse, you're not even taking care of your own child. Like, why would you... Like, I, I just... It's like a possession thing, I'm sure. Yeah, you know, it's I, like... I don't, I don't she's know. She's mine. I don't thing. know. So Gustavo's cousin, Elsa, petitioned the court to deny Ewaldus custody and to actually get custody of Elisa herself. Nice. Enter judge. I'm calling you out, bitch. Oh, shit. Phoebe Greenbaum. Okay. And and you know I Googled Phoebe. Okay. You know I did. Just like I Googled Park Deets. Oh, Park Deets. Yes. Continue. Go back so, to episode, what was that on Park Deets? Uh, two. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah, to learn more. Yeah. Park Deets is in episode two. So, Phoebe Greenbaum. According to the Googles, Phoebe Greenbaum in her entire career has only had one case overturned. Okay. But let me tell you what. I couldn't find out what that case was. Interesting. So, that... That's its own mystery. That is its own mystery, and I'm good at the Googles. I know. I could be a private investigator (laughs) if I wanted to put in the time and effort to do it, which... Girl, I don't. <laughs> um, she has a Twitter account with no tweets. Okay. She has a Pinterest account with one Pinterest board called Entertainment and five pins all with food. Oh my God, that's so funny. How you Pinterest, you checked her Pinterest post. Like, that's it, just so great. <laughs> it came up when I Googled her. I didn't search sure. out the Pinterest for her. Sure. I do like Pinterest. <laughs> I know. I find good dinner recipes there. <laughs> And she has a LinkedIn account. Of course she does. Yeah. Yeah. Because we all have to have that, yeah. So, in 19... So, here's one of her cases. Okay. You're going to love this. And when I say love it, I mean hate it. (laughs) Get ready to hate it. Hate it. In 1979, um, (laughs) she had denied a father custody of his 10-year-old ruling that the boy's grandparents had become his quote-unquote psychological parents. What? So that's Phoebe for you. Okay. She wouldn't give this 10-year-old back to his father because the parent, the grandparents had become his psychological parents. That's, okay. That's super weird. Like, do we know if the kid was being abused by his dad? Like, I why, why I did the grandparents have him? I, I don't know. I didn't go into that, but I think that is super weird. That is weird. Okay. That, that's just... Mm. That's Phoebe's repertoire. Okay. Got Phoebe it. needs to tweet some... Tweet me, Phoebe. <laughs> yeah. At C... Podcast. Is there an underscore? At C... Podcast. <laughs> Shit. Yes. Y'all. Sorry. We'll We'll figure it out, and we'll we'll let you know. I'm on it. Continue. Okay. So, the head of the Montessori school and Prince Michael both wrote letters to Phoebe. Okay. Testifying that to the signs of abuse they witnessed and supporting Elsa getting custody of Elisa. Of course. A Walda came to court armed with her legal aid attorney and a child welfare advocate named... Bart O'Connor. I'm putting you on blast, Bart. Oh, God. Take that. Um, 
I'm pretty sure that was the thing. I didn't write it down. Um, and they claimed that all of her children wanted to live with her, including Elisa. They said she was very lively, very vibrant, and loved her children beyond belief. That was a Walda. Oh, oh, for sure. Oh, an update on the, our Twitter handle. It's at C-C-E-E underscore podcast. So, Phoebe, Bart, tweet me. There it is. Anybody else, if you're going to hate on me, that's not our Twitter. <laughs> right. Don't at me. Don't at me. <laughs> so, yes, they all said that Awalda was, was very lively, Super. very bright, vibrant, and loved her children beyond belief. She had her setbacks, but she recovered, and her house was immaculate. Oh my fucking god, y'all. What does an immaculate house have to do with taking care of your kids? I don't know. Because I know that my kids, when they were little, they they fucking threw their toys everywhere. And you know what that meant to me? They were happy and having a good time playing with their shit. 100%. Absolutely. Marker on the walls meant they were having a grand old time. Yeah. Not great enough to happy about the marker. No. But... <laughs> No, neither. I was in a rental property, neither was my landlord. But uh, that's a different story. Side side point. That's a different story. So, because she had glowing reviews from the child welfare, too much wine, child welfare authorities, Phoebe gave custody to a Walda and just told child welfare to observe the family for a year. Okay, but she psych she gave it to a psychological family, but she can't do it in this case. No, I'm just saying, Phoebe, I'm gonna tweet you, bitch. <laughs> oh my god. So, you wanna know what Ewalda did now? She cranked it up a notch. I'm assuming. Girl, where <laughs> have you been for the last um, half an hour? Wait, have you not been listening to my mouth? <laughs> no. She pulled Elisa out of her Montessori school, even though Prince Michael was footing the bill, and put her in public school. Okay. But good news is, it didn't take long for that school's principal and the school's social worker to notice that Elisa had bruises and had trouble walking. Oh my god. So they reported this directly to the director of Manhattan's Child Welfare Authority field office, making this the fourth notification. But, shit, shit pothole number 672 of this story, the Child Welfare Authority officials said this was not a re- not reportable due to lack of evidence. But they saw her not being able to walk in school. Like, how and, is that and not And there evidence? was bruises. And there were bruises. Like, what, what do, are they talking about? Like, do they need photos to, to go into these situations? I don't really know. I, I, I don't know. Um, I've never been involved with um, a child welfare, child protective services situation. So I don't know how it works. But this is bullshit. Absolutely. 100%. So the caseworker that stood up for... Um, okay, y'all. We always call it who the cunt is in our story. We wait till the end. But I'm calling her out now. Okay. Ewald is the cunt. Yes. If you hadn't figured it out. Shocker. Shocking. Yeah. Newsflash. Yeah. 
So I'm just going to call it the count from now on. It's easier to say. Sure. So the caseworker that stood up for the cunt in court enabled her to, and, and enabled her to get custody for Elisa began getting phone calls from the cunt asking him to come get her because she was regressing in her potty training and cutting her own hair. Yeah, because she's acting out because you're abusing her. So Bart figured these behaviors were there before the cunt took custody of Elisa and he rushed over. There were to toys everywhere. There was poop spread on the appliances. So Bart finally realized, oh, fuck. There might actually be a situation here. Yeah, dude. Oh, duh. Yeah. Now, I will say, I'm, I'm asterisk, the, a lot of these people have too many cases. We're going to talk about that at the end. There it is. Okay. We're going to talk about that at the end. Got it. Got yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come back to that. So Bart called Elise's actual caseworker, requesting they come to the house. But guess what? They were too busy. So now this will be the fifth time social services failed to intervene on Elise's behalf. Oh, my God. Bart took the family to the hospital for a psyche eval. And while just somewhat calmed down at that point but would not sign the release that would allow Bart to send his findings to social services. I, that part I don't get. Why do you have to have the person who's maybe potentially abusing the child sign off on something that's basically saying, hey, I'm abusing my kid? That makes some I sense. Don't, I, I don't know. They should, they, they should be out of the situation. There's the, probably some sort of legal... This story is so crazy. Whatever. And remember, it's the, eight, the early 90s. We've now hit early 90s, and things were different. True. Yeah. So, Ewaldo pulled Elisa completely out of school at this point, because, you know, we can't risk the school reporting us again. Right, exactly. And she's now become completely out of control, because she claimed Gustavo put a spell on Elisa, and she had to beat it out of her. Oh, my God. This is when witchiness goes wrong. You know what I mean? I'm all for a witch or a shaman. Here for it. But yes. this whole, like, oh, my child's a demon craziness. It's like, come on, y'all. Okay. So, I'm... This is going to be... This isn't even a shit pothole. This is the worst part of the story, everyone. So... Do what you gotta do. Hit the fast forward 30 seconds. I don't know. So, neighbors would later claim they would hear Elisa screaming. They did not call the authorities. When the screams would become too loud, Ewaldo would turn up the radio. November 20th, 1995, Ewaldo admits that she hit Elisa so hard, so hard, um, she flew headfirst into a concrete wall. Oh my god. Okay. Elisa did not walk or talk after that. And it's believed she died the next day. But the articles I read, it's kind of a little bit hard to piece all this together. Ewalda did nothing about her daughter until the day after on the 22nd when she called her sister and told her sister that Elisa was just lying in bed not eating, drinking, or going to the bathroom. Yeah, because you fucking killed her. 
You dumb cunt. You killed her. Yeah. That's what happens when you murder someone. Mm-hmm. Iwalda's sister offered to watch the other children so Iwalda could take Elisa to the hospital. But Iwalda said she would think about it after she finished the dishes and proceeded to do nothing. The following day on the 23rd, Iwalda went down to her downstairs neighbor's apartment crying and brought him upstairs to show him Elisa's body. Once he touched her, he realized she had passed away. He spent two hours begging Awalda to call the police, and when she wouldn't, he called the police himself, causing Awalda to freak out and run to the apartment roof and attempt to jump off. The neighbor had to grab and restrain her from jumping. When the police showed up, Awalda confessed to the police all the abuse Elisa had suffered at her hands. Um, one of the police officers said it was the worst case of child abuse he had seen in 22 years. Oh my god. Awalda took a plea deal of second degree murder and sentenced to 15 years to life. She um, if she had gone to trial, she would have faced 25 years to life. She has been denied parole twice and is up for parole in January 2022. Okay, so it's coming up. So people in New York, if you're listening in New York, remember that because this person does not, should never be ever out of jail. No. Like, she needs to die in prison for what she did. I'm sorry. It's so horrible. After the fact... Her case got a tremendous amount of attention. There were 400 mourners at her funeral, including politicians. Um, Rudy Giuliani, who was the mayor, mayor at the time, formed a task force to look into the Child Welfare Administration. And the, yeah. New, and the New York Senate created a bill called Elisa's Law. There it is. Mm-hmm. So Elisa's Law states... Um, State agencies will be allowed to open sealed, unfound reports of child abuse, and social service commissioners will be allowed to make informed infor, will be allowed to make infor, inf, it says information about abuse or maltreatment public if the public has legitimate interest in the case. The law also prevents child protected protection agencies from expunging unfound reports of child abuse until the youngest child named in the report is 28 years old. So part of the problem was that different agencies weren't talking to each other. Got it. There's too much like separation between mm -hmm. the two. Because even though they were all child welfare administration, they were different offices and different agencies, and so they didn't really know what everyone was doing. Right. So, so Elisa's law essentially makes it easier for all the state agencies to see what they're all doing, and even if it's unfound reports, you can still see it. Right. So at least like a connection could be made. Like, i.e., there's four other reports of abuse. Oh, this is number five. Hmm. Okay. Something's going yeah. on here versus all I have is this one report in front of me. Yes. Got it. So this case is from the 80s and the 90s, but the the problems that are going on, that were going on with the child welfare system then are still going on today. 
Um, one of the articles I read blamed too few caseworkers and resources to keep up with the complaints of child abuse. Mm -hmm. And I think that's 100% part of the problem. Yeah. And another problem is um, workers have too high turnover rates, yeah. which increases their caseloads. And then they don't have enough time to spend on each case. And in turn, you have, you know, families on opposite sides of Elisa that have done nothing, you know, to the children they're being investigated for no reason. And they have to get a lawyer involved. Like, yeah. Exactly. So you have, like, a high turnover rate, and then also there's people on, yes, in Elise's case, there was 100% abuse. Yeah. But then you have families on the opposite end of the spectrum that have done nothing to their children mm. that are being investigated, and they, for no reason, because nothing's being done, and they have to get lawyers and things involved, and... Um, oh, God. So and that's expensive, and not many people can afford lawyers. And I mean, yeah, that's not exactly. Where so I mean, this story. I actually looked up this story for a reason, because um, I wanted to bring like the whole problem of the child welfare system in this country to light. Absolutely. Um, because I know of a father who. Wants nothing more to be in his child's life, but the mother is making it extremely difficult. Mm. Um, they live in Alabama, and from day one, the mother has just made it a complete nightmare. She's called um, whatever their welfare system is there on him multiple times for things like, oh, when he brought her home, the bottle had mold in it. Well, if it's just a weekend, it's gonna, that bottle was longer than that. Yeah. And it's just ongoing, ongoing, ongoing. She's made it difficult for their grandparents to see the, their granddaughter. She's moved two hours away, and if they go see her, they let her take, she lets them take her to McDonald's for 20 minutes, and then they have to bring her home. So at this point, they're like, what, what's the point? Yeah, the, driving that far for 20 minutes. Yeah. And then here's the kicker. Um... She called child welfare on him again. I don't know what the reason was this time, but she has another baby by a different baby daddy. Okay. So because she called child welfare on him, they decided to, you know, check up on her. You know, tit for tat. You well, want us to check up on him? We're going to check it up on mom, you. Yeah, you're part and of this thing. And so they found that she now has a child neglect charge against her for her youngest baby. Huh. But they left the older one in her home. You have a father that wants this child yeah. desperately. Yeah. And you have said she is neglecting her youngest baby. Why are you not putting this the older one in the home with the father until right. you can figure out what the fuck is going on? Exactly. At least even if it's like a temporary situation. You know, let's just say it wasn't an ongoing thing. Then at least that way you're like... You, with blood, you know, a blood relative, i.e. a dad, who could take care of this kid until we figure out. You know, now the father has to get lawyers and attorneys and blah, blah, blah. And <sighs> it's just absolutely ridiculous. A, because, you know, the child welfare system is constantly having to investigate these bullshit accusations. Sure. 
when they could be investigating something legit, like right. for Lisa's situation. Exactly. Because you have a disgruntled mother that couldn't keep her legs shut in high school. Oh, that was so bad. I'm sorry, you guys. <laughs> There's a, a personal investment there. <laughs> I, can I know these people personally. <laughs> um, not all teenage mothers are like that. I Please don't at me. I don't really believe that. I know her personally. And you know her, the color of her character, in other words. Yes. yes. Understandable. Yes. Versus saying a generalized statement. That was of, not a generalized statement. That was directed completely at this human being. Who's causing these issues. And to your point, it's just like, you know, any false accusation where the police or anybody has to get involved. Like you said, you know, somebody else may actually be going through that situation and be and getting hurt you know, it being abused, being raped or whatever. And it's like, and yet you're wasting their time. That's already extent overextended on little things that you're just squabbling with a person at this point. Yeah. It's, um, you know, and then I found this other story out of Texas, you know, here where we live. Um, this couple had a premature infant and, um, they got no help from the state in securing the available neutral medical review. Um, their baby was born in March. During April, an April visit to the hospital in Austin, Texas, to treat the infant's viral bronchitis, the staff reportedly saw an unexplained rib fracture, so they called the Texas CPS hotline. Okay. After detecting, detecting a second possible rib fracture, the Texas CPS authorities demanded the family abide by a restrictive safety plan. The parents in turn pointed out that the fractures were quite possibly the result of birth trauma or a potential genetic condition and said, the, said um, and asked the state for an independent evaluation, yeah. but the request was denied. The family was compelled to use their own resources to gather five medical opinions from geneticists, an endocrinologist, an obstetrician, a maternal and fetal medicine specialist, and a neonatologist. All took the family side. All five. That's insane. They did it out of their own pocket. All five took the family side. But CPS-affiliated pediatrician still to keep the investigation open. Oh my God. Until the family's lawyer intervened. The CPS investigation against the family stayed open for 71 days with around the clock supervision imposed on the family for 55 days. Oh my God. That's insane. It is so crazy. Like people that legitimately have done nothing wrong to their children, this is happening to them. Right. And people that are legitimately abusing their kids, it keeps going on until, unfortunately, their kids die. Yeah. It's like an over and an under abundance of caution in both of those instances. There's like no neutral ground, and it's such a delicate, nuanced thing to have to assess. It's like, walk, think about this. You're walking into someone's house and looking at the entire family, and you have to assess within minutes whether or not a kid is being abused. That's an incredibly difficult job. Now, having said that, in this case that you just said, if this, if these family members, first of all, it's a preemie, you know, so everything is, I mean, obviously a totally different situation than it's a, a full 
I won't say not grown baby, but you know, a little term baby. Well, I had grannies. Right? Yeah. So it's an entirely different situation. Mm-hmm. So it's just a shame they had to spend all that time. And then they got lucky. These people did it on their nine because they could have not gotten lucky. I wouldn't have had the money right. at the point when mine were premiums. And I will say this. I had premiums that spent four weeks in the NICU. I was not with them around the clock. If they had said they had a fractured rib, how would they have known that it was me that did it? Sure. It could have been any number. Like you said, birth canal. Like any number of things. A nurse? A nurse? That was was taking care of them while I was not there? Right. You just don't know. So here's my final thought. I feel like Jerry Springer had final thoughts. God, bring him back. Bring him back. Bring him back. (laughs) So this is a 100% broken system that needs to be fixed, and I don't know what the answer is. But maybe CPS workers or whatever the child welfare system is called, um, they need to be paid what they're des- they deserve. Mm. Um, yes, to be making because then you would have enough people working to where their case loads wouldn't be overloaded, and they need to be given mental health support because that's something yes. else that I read that a lot of them do quit because mentally and emotionally it, they can't do it. Yeah. So I think they need some sort of mental health support. Um, and maybe there wouldn't be such a high turnover rate. Absolutely. I don't know. That's my final thought. No. And I'm done. No, that was that's a hell of a case. That was that was a lot, and I had a personal connection, and that's why I chose this case specifically because I feel like we need to talk about this. Like we all need to talk about this, and we all need to fix it, and it's gonna take a lot to fix it. It will, and it's not one easy, like you said, answer. It's not like oh, we're gonna do this one thing, and then all of a sudden everything's fine and dandy and perfect, and it's like little steps, like the New York law. Hey, we need to all talk to each other. That's a step. You know, it's these little tiny steps towards progress that make the difference so thank you for for doing her that was emotionally hard (laughs) fucking bitch no for sure and honestly like obviously the victims are the children the family members you know had to be in that situation everybody surrounding those horrible people it's just it's just awful so our heart goes out to if that is somebody you know or family or anything so please yes and you know and if you know someone that's in a child in that situation, just keep fighting for them. Absolutely. Do what you have to do. Absolutely. Um, start a GoFundMe. Start a petition. Yeah. Vote out the people who are, would vote against what you believe to be right in that situation. Yes. Um, um, and, yeah, if you see something, say something. Yeah. You just never know. And but say it again and again yes. and again and again and again. And keep on saying it until someone listens. Exactly right. So, well, thanks for... Doing the bad mom. Oh, that was that was so hard. <laughs> now you, you can drink. <laughs> do you have a star mom for I me? I do have a star mom. So we decided on a name for our good moms is Star Moms. And I was trying to think of like a name that like either rhymed or was the opposite of a star for our bad moms. But I don't know. It doesn't fucking matter. Point is, she's a cunt. She's cunt a cunt. Moms. They're the cunt moms. The cunts are the stars. I like it. So the star mom that I chose is Shakira. <laughs> Shakira. Let's be real. Her hips will never lie, for no, one. they won't. Ever. And she looks fucking incredible in her 40s. She's a, fucking incredible. I don't look like her after I had kids. <laughs> and 
and B. If I were in my 40s, I wouldn't look like her either. Dude, well, it also helps, you know, she has money to get, like, trainers, and she can get, you know, like, there's all these things that rich people can get. But, yeah. Anyway, so, Shakira, Isabel, Mebarak, sorry. <laughs> you want me with my, ling- my wine language? <laughs> Ripple, I'm so sorry if I'm butchering your name, Shakira. Please forgive me. She does okay. love you. I do love you so much. She got her first name on point. That was <laughs> just like, like saying it. That was like, girl. <laughs> um, she was born on February second, nineteen seventy-seven, in Barranquilla, Colombia. So, fun fact: I thought she was Mexican because Eloy remembers her from Eloy's her husband. I'm sorry, <laughs> back in the day. So, and I was like, okay, she's Mexican. She's Colombian. So, learn something new. She had a Lebanese father and a Colombian mother. And she honors both her Latino and Arabic heritage in her music, which I think is phenomenal. I mean, obviously, she's got, like, you know, the belly dancing, and then she, like, does a lot of, like, songs in Spanish. And If I could belly dance like that. Oh, my God, right? You know That's how, why she looks so good. You know how happy her husbands would be. Yeah. Um, it's never going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't know this. Apparently, her first, like, song was at the age of eight. This is very similar to Beyonce when I did her. Um, and then she signed her first record deal at 13. So this girl has been doing this for freaking like 30 years. Wow. I did not know that. I didn't either. So get this. So her first two albums were a bust. So she's like, forget it. I'm going to start doing this on my own, which I was like, get it. Absolutely. So she started making albums in Spanish. Um, so the first one in 96, and this is going to come back in the end of this. So that's why I'm mentioning is, uh, Pies Descalzos. I'm hoping that's right. Meaning bare feet. Sold more than 3 million copies. So it's 1996. How old was she in 96? Oh, oh, 97, 96. Oh, I can tell you how old she was in 96. She was like 18. Yeah. So we're thinking, we're, we're, we're like Britney Spears territory. Yeah. Like, oh, girl. Remember that? Britney. God. Free Britney, by the way. Yes. Free Britney. You know what? Britney. Yes. Come to my house. I got a spare room. I will, yes. What will hide you? We'll hide your ass Mm -hmm. from your conservatorship. I get what you're doing, girl. You deserve it, 100%. So free Britney. I will will help you be the best you you can be and (laughs) learn how to be, like, normal. Not not normal, but how to live. Like us normies. Yeah, without having somebody watch over you. Yeah, seriously. But, girl, keep doing you. You do you, but at my house where nobody can find you. Exactly. Oh, that was so fucking creepy. <laughs> well, like, yeah, I know what you meant by that. Like, saying, like, we'll, we'll take you away from us. We'll hide you. That paparazzi <laughs> ain't gonna find you where we live. Right, exactly. Ugh, anyway. Um, it, please talk about Shakira. Okay, sorry. Sorry. Dig shit hole deeper. <laughs> so, shit hole over here. Shakira was very popular in the rest of the world, right? So, she started mm-hmm. off, obviously, yes. in Colombia, an artist, and Spanish, very popular there. And she was like, I want to break into the U.S. So, get this shit. In 97... At 20, you were very fucking close. Look at you doing math. Um, She moved with her and her family to Miami, and she taught herself to write songs in English. So she taught herself how to write English songs. Did she know how to speak English? I don't think so. I think, like, she just kind of went whole all in, which is kind of incredible to do, well, at any age, but, like, damn. I'm really impressed by that. Right? That That'd be like me trying to 
write this podcast in Spanish. In Spanish and go, I want to break into the Spanish podcast market and I'm going to teach myself Spanish in order to do that. That's not going to happen, y'all. <laughs> Stay tuned. You never know. Y'all, no. <laughs> no. Never. I couldn't say a Wilda. <laughs> I think it's a Wilda, by the way. A Wilda. <laughs> I love Shit. it. Shit. So anyway, so get this. When she was there, get ready for some big-ass names. Don't be a <laughs> She enlisted Emilio Estefan of Gloria Estefan in the Miami Sound Machine fame to be her manager and producer. How did she hook that? Don't have any clue. My thought is probably because she was really big in Latin America, you know? Yeah, probably. She was like, yeah. hey, help a sister out. Yeah, you know? yeah. And I was like, that's incredible. So, and then here's where we get into the U.S. market where we all start to, like, take notice of her. 2001 laundry service. Whenever, wherever. That's all. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Yes, I do. That <laughs> drops in 2001, right? And then her second um, album with the Hips Don't Lie dropped. Um, and she won her second Grammy for that one, Best Latin Rock. Yeah. I mean. My husband loves Shakira. We love Shakira. Yeah, we love Shakira. But he loves Shakira. <laughs> You're like, oh, he's got, like, a thing for Shakira. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Um, she almost sounds like the polar opposite of Selena. Huh. You know what? No, you're you're kind of right. Well, explain. Tell me more. Explain what you mean. I say this because Selena, she didn't know Spanish until she started speak, singing in Spanish. Shut the fuck up. I thought she was... No. I may be lying. You keep talking. Okay. You, 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 mm, fact check that. Hold because on. I may have just Selena. Let's just go here because we are from Texas and she's like a, she's like our, our Mary, you know? No, no, no. Right here. It's at biography.com. Oh my God. Selena grew up speaking English, but her father taught her to sing in Spanish so she could resonate with the Latino community. You just blew my freaking mind just now. That's insane. I had no idea. Have you never watched a Selena documentary? I mean, J Lo, Selena, of course, of course. But I just, I must have just, like, over my head completely. I need to rewatch it. Yes, I mean that's a. It's like it's a classic. It's like a Martorino main stable. That's true. Like a true crimer. Yeah. And we did steal that from MFM. Yeah. Obviously, fans of the ladies. I mean, yes. Here we are. Um. So. So sorry about that. <laughs> Don't hate us, please. Um, so, okay, so now we're in 2013. Mm-hmm. She's in a relationship with Spanish soccer player Gerard Piqué, I'm guessing. I don't know who that sure. is, but he's cute. You say Spanish soccer player, and I'm like, ooh, I'm he's not cute. Bored. He's cute, dude. Yeah, he's real Spanish cute. Spanish soccer players. Mm. I know. So they had their first child, Milan, a uh, son, in uh, 2013, January. It means dear, loving, and gracious, and slog, Slavic, eager, and laborious, and ancient Roman. Cute. Unification in Sanskrit, according to a statement on Shakira's website. Cute. Um, and then in 2014, uh, she was pregnant again, and she had her second son, Sasha, in, uh, again in January in 2015. So I didn't realize she had two kids. Yeah. Where was I for the second one? I, or the first one. I don't know which yeah, one she's I good. Yeah, she's like... Has two little babes. Adorable. Um, so then she was on The Voice. Yes, I loved her on The Voice. See, I didn't watch... I haven't watched her on The Voice yet. Was she amazing? Yes, of course. Okay, okay naturally. Um, and then, of course, I do know this. The 2014 FIFA World Cup, she closed it out in Brazil. I mean... I didn't know that. Okay. 
So there we go. See, this is why we're good together. Because yeah. I know things that she doesn't know, and vice versa. Like yeah. Selena spoke English until <laughs> I just can't. I mean, we live in Texas. It's Selena. I, I can't believe. I feel like I'm gonna stop shaming you. Keep talking okay, about yeah, Shakira. Please stop shaming me. <laughs> we're talking about Shakira. Now, we so are talking. Yes. So then, as we all know, right before quarant- like COVID and the quarantines and the oh, this only last two weeks happened in 2020. The fucking Super Bowl happened, and we all know what happened there with her and J-Lo. Remember that fucking bomb-ass oh, yeah, yeah, performance? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I did see that. shit. Where people got all like, ah, it's too sexual. It's like, has have you never seen Latin anything or any Latin music? That's like not sexual in the least. I mean, I didn't see a boob, so we're good. Yeah, just saying. But Sorry, anyway. JT and what, and... Janet, I came for but you. But even that, she had a pasty on. It wasn't even that big of a deal. Yeah. It was a, it was a it, thing. It was a boop, boop. Like, it wasn't. America, calm you, the fuck down. Seriously, when you look back on it now, that would be, dude, freaking look at the Grammys. When people just wore the Grammys. That's like an outfit. Like, yeah. America, calm the fuck down. <laughs> exactly. <sighs> anyway, so here's how our star mom is completely the opposite of what the fuck name? Yeah, um, we, we're not even gonna call. We're not gonna acknowledge that anymore. No, here's where also the album comes back. So, Pies Descalzos Foundation or Barefoot Foundation is a U.S. and Colombian nonprofit, non-governmental organization created by by Shakira. It's devoted to ensuring that every child can exercise his or her basic right to a quality education. Awesome. Are we gonna have that linked? linked. Absolutely. Okay, we'll have perfect. that link. Um, so you will be able to either donate, take a look and see if you want to volunteer, have more information about it because it's incredible. Um, everyone does deserve a, an incredible education no matter where you are. I yes, mean, exactly. Let's be real. Um, and she's also a UNICEF Goodwill Ambassador. So, and she's uh, advocate for the importance of establishing, uh, political initiatives that put an end to hunger for, uh, Children without access to education. So again, back to education. Also, don't deserve to have you know nothing to eat to go to school or to you, learn. And you know what I loved during this pandemic is all the schools in this area have given kids food, whether they've gone to school or been distance learning at home. Um, you have been able to go pick up food. If there's been a long weekend vacation, you could pick up food to last you through the weekend, through the holiday. I had no idea. During spring break, you could go get food to last you through spring break. Um, and all schools, um, well, before, let me backtrack. I don't know if all schools. Like, my kids' school, starting in December, the lunches were free for every student. Oh, my God. Because normally there's the free lunch program and you have right. to qualify. Right. But lunches were free for every student. That's incredible. Yeah. That's, so, not, that's a, amazing. I had no idea they were doing that. Yeah. And um, I heard that the big city down the road, <laughs> um, they're giving free lunches. Um, I don't, oh, I don't remember if it's through the summer. I think it's through the summer. You don't even have to be a student with that school district to get really. See, that's what I'm talking about. Stuff like that is, inc- I mean, like, that's amazing. That's incredible. So, I mean, that's it. Like, 
helping people out, you know, that's very much what Shakira's about. Like, she's, like, very open about it on her Instagram if you ever follow her, and she's, like, super into it. Plus, she looks fucking incredible, and she's, like, 44, 45, whatever. I don't even know. Like, it's crazy. She was born in 77? Yeah. She's 44. Dude. And then, like, song Girl Like Me, the new one with the Black Eyed Peas or whatever that came out. Oh, my God. I love it. And she's, like, Black in Eyed Peas are still around. Yeah, dude. Where have you been? With your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I listen to satellite radio in my car. If you want me to tell you which one, hit us up about it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I went there. Um, and I listen to the hip hop station. I mean, hey, we all have to get to work somehow and figure out how to you make know, that happen. You've seen that meme um, put on the rap. Oh, <laughs> and do your shit. Handle your sh- and do your thing. Do the things. That's yeah. how I feel on my way to work every day. Hey, you know, sometimes, yeah, <laughs> that's it, exactly it. how I got to get through my fucking day. Exactly. Um, but yeah, that's my good mom. And as we all know, Shakira will just continually do amazing things and be an incredible artist. If you want to call us and give us some belly dancing lessons. Seriously. Our husbands would thank you. They would very much appreciate that. So, yeah. Anything, anything else that you want to mention? Oh, we are on Twitter, as you know. We're on TikTok, YouTube, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud. <laughs> the Gram. The, the, we are on the Instagram. Literally anywhere you can listen or do social media, that's where we're at. Except the Facebook. Except the Facebook. Because we're not boomers. We're not boomers. Yet. <laughs> I'm real fresh. Do you like? Do you, like, turn into a boomer? Or You know what I'm saying? Does it, like, happen? I mean... I'm not a, I will never be a boomer. Let me tell you a funny story. We've gone on for a real long time This today, is a long one. But let me tell you. So, my daughter came up to my job with me on my day off. Okay. To do a thing. And so, people were saying to me, they were going, oh, you look familiar. Ha, 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 ha. Well, and she know. goes, mom. What is wrong with those people? Do they really think that's funny? She goes, I am so glad that you don't act like that. Oh, my God. She's like, I'm so glad that um, you're the cool mom. Oh, shit. (laughs) She's like, if adults act like that, I don't want to be an adult. Like, why are they acting like that? God, so true. So, you guys, don't act like that. Don't act like that. Don't be that. When your coworker comes in on their day off, don't say... Ha ha ha, you look familiar. Just be like, hey bro, what's up? Yeah, be a normal human and don't be a weirdo. But that's, that goes for everything in life. Yeah. So, and also, definitely, if there's any sort of other initiatives with um, child protective services or child welfare that we're not aware of, send them our way. We would love to learn more or donate or help. Yes. Spread the word. We will retweet, post them on our so- all of our social media accounts because it is really important to get that out in the world. Absolutely. Because it's, it's a broken system that needs to be fixed. 100%. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. And as always, we'll see you next Tuesday. Bye.